three uh, Bible readings tonight. The first two can be found in um, Genesis chapter 2, which can be found on page 4 of the Red Bibles. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and that man became a living being. And I'm going to continue at verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took out one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. The third reading is Romans chapter 11, and this can be found on page 1139, and I'm starting to read at verse 33. So that's Romans 11, starting to read at verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory for ever. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. Great. Thank you, Wendy. Um, do we keep those passages open? Uh, a finger in Genesis 2 and uh, Romans 12 as well. We're going to be thinking about those two passages as we try and answer this question this evening. Um, before we do that, let's start with a prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here together this evening to, to think about this important issue of gender. Lord, would you speak to us through your word? For, for many of us, this may be a personal issue. We may have friends or family for whom this is, or perhaps not. But Lord, we pray that you would teach us and you would equip us to know how to think biblically, how to think compassionately and how to know what you say about what it means to be made in your image we pray this in Jesus name Amen well just a quick uh, recap in terms of I guess what what happened this morning and what we're doing we're doing a, a short series thinking about identity which started this morning when we're doing that over the next couple of Sundays Uh, And as Daniel said at the beginning of the service, there's probably no more pressing issue of our time than that of identity. And the question is, who am I? Who am I? So this evening we're we're taking an area of that uh, and thinking specifically about what the Bible has to say about it. And, And the question that we've got for tonight is this. Identity is gender fluid. Is gender fluid? Well, what does that mean? What does, what does gender fluidity mean as, as a term, as a phrase? Well, basically, you can understand gender in, in, in one of two ways. Either, either gender is something that is given. It is given when you are born, you are, you are declared to be male or female. The doctor looks at you and says, congratulations, Mrs. Smith, it's a boy or it's a girl. Gender is something that is given. But many people think that gender is not necessarily just something that is given, but it's something that rather is discovered. It's something that you, you maybe explore. Perhaps you feel at odds with the gender you were given at birth and that you need to discover actually what your true gender identity is. And many more people are, are thinking that that is what gender is. Um, Facebook, in the last few years, when you go to register for a, for a Facebook profile, uh, used to get an option of, uh, we used to get one of two options. You could either click that you were male or you were female. Um, but in the last few years, they've, they've expanded that up because of demand. And uh, recently, there were about 70, 70 different choices that you could put for gender. Now, I give a prize to anyone who, who could name them all, but I guess if, if, if gender is something that you think is, is a personal identity that you can kind of figure out, then there's no reason necessarily why you would have to be so clearly cut as to say, well, is male or female? Actually, Facebook have now scrapped those options, I think, and there's a custom option, so you can, you can put in what you want. So it's, it's a serious thing that, that a lot of people were trying to work out what their gender is. And we see this um, a lot in, in the media, and I don't know how many people saw uh, this film a couple of years ago. Um, that's the actor Eddie Redmayne um, in the 2015 film, uh, The Danish Girl, uh, won many, many awards. Uh, and it's based on a true story uh, of an artist called Einar Wegner, um, who's a, an artist in the 1920s. And, and it follows his... Uh, attempt to kind of discover his own uh, gender identity and the process of of undergoing surgery, transitioning from being a man to a woman. 
Um, it's, it's quite a tragic tale in, in, in many ways. But, but Einar feels that he is unable to fight this desire within him, this, this, this female persona, persona that he has, that just seems to be taking over him, and he's unable to fight it. After um, he's transitioned, uh, he changes his name to Lily, and, and one of the people in the film asks him, did the doctor make you a woman? Did the doctor make you a woman? And he replies with this, he says, no, God made me a woman, but the doctor is curing me of the sickness that was my disguise. Very powerful stuff. And it's very difficult to disagree with a statement like that, isn't it? They believe that that God has made them like that, and that rather there's this sickness that they were born into that the doctor is trying to cure. But we have to be brave, and we have to think, is this, a, is this a fair statement to make? How do they know that God has made them that way? If they are claiming that. Well, we get a bit more information in the film. The, the doctor who performed this surgery, before it happens, uh, he asks Einar, he says, tell me about Lily. Tell me about this person who is inside you. Where did she come from? And Einar says, she came from inside of me. He's looked down and he's seen that there's this person in him, this, this identity that seems to be hidden, pushed down, and it feels right to express it. That's where he, he thinks you would find your identity, by, by looking down inside yourself, that there's something to be unraveled, something to be discovered. And this is by no means a rare thing. You, you may be sitting here this evening, and this, this is a story close to home. And for many people it is. Um, between um, one in two to three hundred people report to have some feeling of being in the wrong body, of being assigned the wrong gender. So, so in, one, in one sense this evening we are thinking about gender and this question is gender fluid, but actually in one sense we can open out this question and say that it's all got to do with where we find our true selves, where we find our identity. Is it down inside? Is that where we find ourselves? By looking down inside and try to unravel who we are on our own? Or is it somewhere else? So whether or not this is an issue for you or for family members or friends, I hope we will all see and have our eyes open this evening about where it is we find our true, lasting identity. And I'll just say quickly, before we get into the, this passage, sorry, it's been a bit of a preamble before we get in, but I think it's important that we, we think about how... how how varied and, and how complex this subject is. It isn't a one-size-fits-all. And I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of confusion for, for, well, for me as, as I think about how to relate to different people with, with different stories. And I'm sure there's a lot of confusion for you and for people for whom this is an incredibly personal thing. But I want us to start thinking about the implications about what God says about our bodies. Yes, we live in a, in a fallen world, but God has said something profound in Scripture about our bodies and about our genders. You see, the gospel is not only good news for straight people. The gospel is good news for trans people and for gay people too. The gospel is good news for everyone. 
You see, where this world offers us only confusion, I would say, in the area of gender, God gives us clarity. He gives us clarity. Right, let's open up our Bible, shall we? So, if we think about clarity and this question of of defining a gender identity, who defines us? Well, the Bible says that God defines us. God specifically, he defines our gender, and it has been that way since the beginning. Let's look down in in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You see, God defines our gender. And we see here, in the beginning of the Bible, when God makes man, there is something different about this new creature. He's not like all of the other animals. And specifically, when God tells us about his gender, he says that he is a man even before he became a living being. I wonder if you've noticed that before. Apologies to those who are here this morning have heard Genesis 2 again. But as we see, it's such a foundational document for how we understand what it means to be made in God's image, what it means to be male or to be female. But do you see that Adam is a man before he even became a living being? Not just in his physicality, but in his mentality too. He is male altogether. Before he has done a single thing, before he has even taken a breath of that sweet Eden air, God says he is a man. I think this is really challenging because so many of the things that we think of being intrinsically male or female actually involve the things that we do. Even hobbies like what sports we enjoy. Oh, well, that's, that's a manly sport to, to be involved with. Or, or going to the gym or, or acting tough, tough or thinking that, oh, well, real men don't cry, do they? Show me where it says that in the Bible. And think of as an example, imagine there's a boy growing up and, well, he doesn't really like to play, play all the rough sports that, that some of the other boys do at school. He'd rather be perhaps in the kitchen helping mum baking. Now, there's nothing in that that is, that is less manly in any way, certainly not from what the Bible says it means to be male. Male is something that, or female is something that God says about us. You see, God defines our gender. Before Adam has even said a word, God says, you are a man. That is who I have created you to be. That is who I have called you to be. God defines our gender, not the clothes that we wear, or the hobbies that we like, or the sports that we get involved with. God defines it. And you see, the danger that any of us can fall into is the thinking that gender is the thing that we have to choose. If that's you, I want to say that's... That's such a huge burden to carry. Trying to work out what what your gender is. What a huge burden to carry in your life. Genesis tells us that it is God who defines us as male or female before we've even taken our first breath. And along with that, we see secondly that God makes a distinction between male and female. You see, there is a difference in the sexes. If you look down at verses 21 to 23, I won't read it, but but it's there and we'll refer to it. You see, there was something missing in the creation before woman was made. 
So we have this whole strange bit with, with Adam's rib being taken out. But what it shows us is that the male and female share actually an incredible equality. They're not two different species. But at the same time, there's something different about them too. The creation was incomplete before women. You see, God makes a distinction between male and female, between the sexes, not culture. Well, it's not us. God makes the distinction. And what God declares as very good in his creation is not that gender is a scale for people to have to try and choose whereabouts they are or which one of the 70 plus genders they are. And while Facebook allows you to put in a custom gender, that's not what God's idea is. You see, God has declared that there is male and female and that has been so from the beginning. But the problem is, and we've got to admit there is a problem, the problem is that we live in a world that bears the consequence of that first male and female's decision to mess about with the created order. In the next chapter, in Genesis chapter 3, the devil comes and tempts the man and the woman and they end up turning their backs on God and as a result, we experience a world in which gender has never been the same. You see, God defines us. God makes a distinction between male and female. And also there is a God-given purpose in our gender too. There is a purpose in our gender. Look at the end of verse 20, just on the second page. It says, But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And then it goes on to say, that The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now it's interesting that the word helper here in the original is the very same word that is used of God elsewhere in the Old Testament. God is the helper for his people and he has created woman to help man. Not to be a slave in no less of a way than, than God is a slave to, to humanity. That's not true. But to work together. There is equality but there is difference as well to work alongside, to work as a unit in harmony. This is how God has created things for humanity to flourish. Two genders, male and female, working together, each with different abilities and gifts for the good of the whole creation. And it's important that we understand this idea that God has given us this purpose in our gender. Because when we really understand this, This whole idea of gender becomes less about an individual part of us that we are kind of looking to to shape and and to mould in a way that feels right and thinking that we can find freedom by discovering this hidden gender somewhere. You see, what God says about our genders here is that we understand it both as a gift and as a responsibility from God that we are to use it to to be a blessing to his creation. Now that sounds great, and you may feel that, that you're not there yet. You can't quite understand how this could be the case. Well, how do we get to that place then? How do we get there? Well, we're going to look into our, in our second reading now going on to to Paul's letters to the Romans and understand how what Paul is talking about, this radical new understanding 
and this radical new transformation. So let's flip on to, to Romans 12 and we're going to be thinking about those first couple of verses. So, it, so if God is the creator of, of our bodies and he has defined what our genders are in order to, to serve in this creation that he has made, well then how should we think about the bodies that God has given us right now today? How, sh- how should we think about how we should use them? Well, Paul starts off by saying that we should think about them as being a living sacrifice. We should think about our bodies as a living sacrifice. And it says that in verse 1. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now this is Romans chapter 12. For the first 11 chapters, Paul has been telling us about the richness of what he calls justification, of being made right with God, of being adopted into God's family. He's been telling us about what we've been rescued from. We've been rescued from sin and judgment and hell. We've been given a new identity in Christ that will never fade, it will never disappear. And that came around because God's Son took on flesh and gave up his body. Notice that bit. He gave up his body so that we might be justified. We might be made right in God's sight. He sacrificed his own body so that we could be in God's family. So, and then in chapter 2, he starts to begin about helping the church to apply this knowledge. And he tells the church, well, just like Jesus gave up his body as a sacrifice, you need to be prepared to do that too. You see, the way to true, lasting transformation is found in not by looking in on yourself and by trying to change your body into what you feel it should be. Please don't believe that is the case. That's not the way to free, true, eternal, lasting transformation. The way to true, eternal, lasting transformation and freedom is found actually in the opposite. It's found in sacrificing your body's own interests for the sake of Jesus because of what he has done. You realise that and you want to use your body in a whole new different way. Not to try and find yourself, but for God's glory. For Jesus' sake. You see what he has done and you want to use what he has given you to worship him. You see, all of us, whether, whether gender is, is an issue for us or not, we are all called to live in a way which we use our bodies sacrificially, like Jesus did for God's glory. And someone with transgender feelings is no different. Yes, it is hard. Yes, it requires sacrifice. But it is worth it. What Paul is saying is, don't try to hide this part of who you are, but rather use it. Acknowledge that that struggle and bring God glory with it. Acknowledge that you want to use your body sacrificially, not by trying to find your own identity somehow buried down in here, but realise that Christ has given you a new identity and living your life in that confidence. So that's how we should think about the bodies that God has given us 
as a living sacrifice. But how do we get there? Well, Paul tells us in verse 2. He shows us it's by the renewal, not of our body, not by the transformation of our body, but by the renewal and transformation of our minds. He says this, look at the beginning of verse 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Real, lasting, eternal transformation doesn't begin with changing our bodies, but it begins with the change of our minds. Specifically, the way that we understand our place and purpose in the world and the things that we love, the things that we are passionate and excited about. You see, when we understand what Jesus has done in coming to rescue us, as the Holy Spirit works in us to help us understand all that Christ has done for us and to begin to apply that work to our life, our minds get renewed, they get transformed. I want us just to think about the fact that Jesus relates to people who experience a discontinuity between how they feel their bodies are and how they feel they are in a way I think like no one else. I think Jesus is incredibly good news for people who have some kind of feeling of of being born in the wrong gender because Jesus knows what it's like to to be in a body that, that he feels in some way restricted in. You see, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the King of Kings. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And no one can relate better to the experience of a disconnect with your body than Jesus Christ. Yes, he is fully God. Yes, he is fully human. But the eternal Son of God was born in poverty. He was ignored. He was tortured. He was crucified. He died. What a greater disconnect for the Son of God than all those things. Jesus is such good news for people who feel a disconnect with their gender, feel some disconnect with their body in some way, whatever it is, because he knows what it is like to experience it in a way that no one else has or no one else will. It's so easy to conform to the pattern of this world and that's what Paul is warning us not to do. It's so easy to just adopt the world's way of thinking about things and how we find our identity and how we understand gender. What's hard, though, is making a decision to allow your thinking not to be shaped by culture and by the world, but by God and his word. It may seem hard, but it is the best thing anyone could possibly do. Paul is saying this is how eternal transformation will come about. We all want to be transformed, don't we? We all experience something in us that we know isn't right and that we look forward to one day to being different. The truth is no one who does or doesn't transition to a different gender is any closer to finding out who they are meant to be, whether that has been part of your story or not. There's no link between that and being any closer to understand who you are meant to be. But God is saying, if you want to find out who you really are supposed to be, it's by looking to Jesus. Thinking about who God says you are. And as we thought about, and Phil was telling us this morning, if you are trusting Christ, you are beloved. 
You are God's chosen child. You have been bought with a price. Once you believe that and trust that and make that the centre of your life, your thinking changes. The way you view your body changes because your identity is not based on who you try and figure out who you are, but on who God says you are in Christ. You are his child. So we should think about our bodies. If we want to experience this transformation, we think about our bodies as being as a living sacrifice. We understand that we get there by the renewal of our minds, by seeing what Christ has done. And how should we live this out? Well, we live this out with a desire to do God's will. Paul says this at the end of verse 2. He says, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. There is a process involved here. A process of steering our life away from looking for our identity and how we express ourselves towards an identity that is based on who God has made us to be. And that takes time. It is a process. But Paul says with this growing knowledge of what Christ has done and of who you are in him, you begin to see what pleases God. And not only that, but what is ultimately good for us, what is good for our flourishing. It doesn't mean it isn't hard. It can be incredibly hard. And it doesn't mean that you won't need incredible amounts of love and support. That's what the church is there for. But it is God's will. It's God's will for all of us, whether we experience these, these confused feelings about our gender or not. It's God's will that we live out this sacrificial life with our bodies for Christ's sake. It's God's will. And remember, Jesus knows what it's like to experience the pain of following God's will. Think about Jesus weeping in Gethsemane. Jesus knew the pain that he would experience going to the cross, experiencing God's wrath in our place. But he said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. He said yes to God's will. And so we are called to do the same, those of who follow Christ. Because our identity is no longer in who we feel like we may be deep down somewhere, but in who God says we are. His children, made in his image, male and female, with a purpose in this world, in this process of being transformed to be more and more like Christ. That is his will. And that is what it means to follow him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a huge issue and it feels like we've only really scratched the surface this evening. Lord, we pray that uh, whether this is an issue for us personally or for those that we know and love, we ask that we might see what you say about gender and what it means to be made in your image as a good thing. Lord, we understand that we live in a fallen, broken world where there's this ricochet of Adam and Eve's decision to, to, to ignore what you say is good. And we have contributed to that in so many ways. But Lord, we thank you that you have sent Christ to rescue us from, 
from that faulty way of thinking and living. Lord, help us this week to to live our lives as as a living sacrifice, to use our bodies as a living sacrifice. Lord, thank you that we can have our minds renewed by seeing what you have done and, and who we are as a result. And Lord, please give us a desire to live out your will, to use our bodies as you want us to, as you want you to use them. And we ask all of this for Jesus' glory and in his name. Amen.